I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Newcastle United. Monday, January the 18th, 2021. Kickoff 8 pm. The contents The manager, Mikel Arteta. The captain, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal. Match action Arsenal versus Newcastle United. Player feature Rob Holding. Convertible currency 14 times. My story. Arsenal Academy. Community. Forward Arsenal. Visitors, Newcastle United. Arsenal Women. Match Action, Arsenal vs Crystal Palace. My Arsenal. And Teams. Manager's Notes. Mikel Arteta. I felt we missed some freshness and some quality in the final third on Thursday night against Crystal Palace. That's why we didn't get the win in the end, because we did manage to get into the final third quite often, but without ever really generating any big chances for the forwards. We got into dangerous situations, but in the end we lacked the final pass or the finish too often. We know we have to create more chances if we want to win games. We were desperate for the win to keep the run going, but as you could see, there were moments when fatigue played a part in our performance. We started to give the ball away too much and that allowed Palace to attack us on the transition, which we know is their strength. I can't fault the players over this period though. We have put in so much effort during the last few weeks and we just couldn't get that goal we needed that would have changed everything on Thursday. Credit to Crystal Palace as well, of course. This is not the first time we have seen them perform like that. They have beaten a lot of big teams in the past few months because Roy Hodgson has got them very well organised. We knew that, but in the end our execution and quality was not enough to break them down. To take the positives, we got a point and another clean sheet, but overall it was disappointing not to get all three points. The foundation to win any game is your defensive work and keeping clean sheets so it's very pleasing to see us keep that going. And it's even more pleasing to do that after we had to make some changes at the back. 
With this hectic schedule, that's going to happen more and more. We had four injuries last week and need to manage the squad. Some players are coming back, like Gabby, who came back after COVID. Thomas was back after a long injury as well, so it's going to happen. We have to adapt. It's really difficult in this league now to have a consistent starting eleven. All clubs find that. We haven't had the possibility to do it so far, I think for at least six months. So I'm not expecting anything different from now. That's why we were arguing for five subs. We didn't have a pre-season. Then you have a big run of games with no break, so of course there will be injuries. I have to manage the squad, but also when you get a good run, you don't want to change too much. The players want to play as well. They, they want to keep going. We will be ready to go again tonight, though, against Newcastle. We played them only a few days ago, so we can use that to our advantage if we analyse what we did well and not so well in that game. We have assessed and reviewed what we did in the last few games, so we know what we can do better. Defensively, we were really solid and we are not giving things away easily. We're making it really hard for the opponent. In the final third, we progressed a lot, but Thursday showed there are still things that we have to do better. That's not down to the attackers only, though. As a collective, we have to do more going forward. When you look at the way these tight games are won, sometimes it comes down to an individual action, that spark to get something going, and then the game can open up. It took us a long time to do that in the cup against Newcastle, but I felt we did a lot of good things before that and eventually we deserved the win. So you have to stay patient in these games too. Get through the low block and take your chances when you get them. Steve Bruce is going through a difficult time at the moment, but he has so much experience and I have a lot of respect for him, so I know that he can come through it. We all know how much our colleagues suffer in this job and he's not one to walk away from a challenge. He's a top manager, but a top guy as well. I had a difficult spell recently, of course, and at times like that, you know you need the support of the club and you need to stay true to your principles, even more than ever, in fact. You have to really stick to your beliefs and that can be difficult because everything becomes cloudy. You have to be able to see through that, be adaptable and change what you need to. The margins are very small, though, and sometimes results can come down to just very small factors. Thanks for your continued support. We know that you're continuing to get behind us from home and we really hope that before too long we'll feel that support in person again to give us that extra edge. Captain's Notes Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang It was disappointing not to keep up our winning run on Thursday but you have to give credit to Palace too. They defended well and made it very difficult to play through them and we couldn't create enough dangerous opportunities to get the goal. We put the effort in, we kept going, but we missed that final pass or that final action at some key moments. We have to take the point though and try to get back to winning games this evening against Newcastle. We know we have the talent to do that and we want to get back to the way we were performing in the last few games. Our young players have been a big part of our recent form and I want to give them some credit for that. We are so lucky to have this really talented group coming through and I can see from training and now the games how much progress they are all making. Emile Smith-Rao is doing really well at the moment. He's still young so we know he can still progress a lot but he's helped the team a lot since he came back from injury. Bukeo Saka has been in the team for a while now 
but don't forget that he's still really young as well. It's crazy when you look at all these good young players coming through here. They've all got big fantastic careers ahead of them, I'm sure about that, because they are all positive guys but humble as well. They want to learn, they want to make a big progression, and that's what makes the difference. It will be great to see Gabby Martinelli coming with us after his injury too, because it's clear how talented he is. It's great to have him with us for the second half of the season, because he can be a really dangerous player for us. This week, the Premier League are doing some really good work to highlight mental health, and this is something I always thought was really important. It's always important, but at the moment, and for the last year, it's been really, really tough to be positive the whole time. But you have to try and be positive, and personally, that's what I try to do. I do that by spending time with my family and my kids, and that is where I am able to find my strength and build a positive mental health. When they are with me and close to me, then it means everything, and that's how I deal with it. My kids are nine and four years old, so let's say they keep me busy. A lot. One thing that I do often that I find helps me with my mental well-being is call my father. He's like my psychologist. My father gives me so much strength just by what he is able to say to me, with using some key words, and for me I found it so important. I've done this ever since I started my career, because he played as well. He was a professional, so he knows what I'm going through. I'm really lucky to have him at the end of the phone. After every game I call him, and he gives me his feedback on the game and stuff like that. During lockdown as well, I called him a lot, and he tries to keep me fit. He always said, are you training? And so I would always FaceTime him while I was on the treadmill so he could see that he was motivating me, and that was really important during that first lockdown. As captain, I also tried to look out for my teammates too. We are all on a WhatsApp group, texting each other, and during the lockdown, when football stopped, that was important, to check everyone was doing well, because we didn't see each other as much. I have to say that everyone was doing well. Of course, sometimes it was a bit boring because we couldn't do anything but this group gave everyone strength. I will always remember that time because we came together. Some guys on there were really funny, and that helped keep us all strong and happy. We have a lot of clowns in the group. Lacker is good on there. Rob Holding too is very funny. Finally, I've said it before in my notes, and I want to say it again because it's a difficult time of year, but we really, really miss having you guys all with us inside the stadium. We know that's how it's got to be at the moment, but we miss everything about it. It's hard for us. It's hard to find that extra energy sometimes when we don't have the fans there. We have to keep going. We have to keep trying. And that's what we're doing. But we want you to know that we can't wait to have you back at the stadiums too. For sure, we are all hoping that can be safe to do soon. And we can enjoy the games together. Until then, though, be sure that we are thinking of you all. We know you are supporting us however you can at the moment, and we really appreciate that. The voice of Arsenal. The voice of Arsenal. Voice of Rob signs new contract.
Rob Holding has signed a new long-term contract with us, running until 2024 with an option for a further year. The centre-back has made a memorable return from an injury he sustained at Old Trafford two years ago when he was a key part of our Emirates FA Cup victory last season. Missing just one match in our run at the final and playing the whole 90 minutes in Wembley to win over Chelsea, he has continued that form and has already made 17 starts this season. Technical director Edu said we are happy to have signed Rob on a new contract extension. He is 25 years old, so he is coming into the peak of his career. We are delighted that he'll be with us during these important years. Rob has shown great quality and maturity on and off the pitch in recent months and is developing well. We are looking forward to Rob continuing his progression in years to come. Mikel Arteta added, Since I started as manager, I have been hugely impressed with Rod's contribution to the club and in the dressing room, on and off the pitch. His quality of his work every day in the training is excellent and his translation into this consistency high performances in matches. We all know Rob's quality, which has shown his displays during an intense moment of those two FA Cup final victories. We're all very happy that Rob has signed a new contract. He is very popular with all the players and staff and we're looking forward to watching him continue to grow with us in the coming years. Rob is fast approaching 100 games for the Gunners. His appearance last Thursday against Crystal Palace was his 97th since joining us from Bolton Wanderers in July 2016. During which time he has won the FA Cup twice with memorable performances against Chelsea last year and in 2017. The Matchday programme has a feature with Rob in today's issue. Turn to page 26 to hear from him on the Arsenal career so far. FA Cup dates confirmed. Following our third round win over Newcastle, we can confirm that the fourth round of the FA Cup will be played as follows. Southampton or Shrewsbury Town versus Arsenal, Saturday, January the 23rd, kick-off 12.15pm, live on BT Sport. The match between Southampton and Shrewsbury at St Mary's takes place tomorrow night. Kick-off, 8pm. Welcome, Richard. Arsenal Football Club are delighted to announce Richard Garlick is joining us as Director of Football Operations. Richard, who is currently Director of Football at the Premier League, was previously Director of Football Administration at West Bromwich Albion. He will join the club in the coming months. He will be a member of our executive team and will be working closely with technical director Edu, manager Mikel Arteta and academy manager Pierre Mertesacker. His responsibilities will include football operations for the first team and academy, all player contract management and relationships with football governing bodies. Richard, a qualified solicitor specialising in sports law, has been with the Premier League since 2018. He was previously at West Bromwich Albion for eight years. We look forward to welcoming him to Arsenal soon. Happy birthday, Johan. Former central defender, Johan celebrates his 31st birthday today. Happy birthday, Johan. The Switzerland international joined the Gunners age 16 and is currently playing in the Danish top flight with Norskjland, having joined from Swiss team Nachla Ackmann in October. Any Arsenal game against Newcastle has extra resonance for Johan, who scored the only goal for the Gunners in 144 games when we played Toon at St James's Park nearly 10 years ago on February the 5th, 2011. In that match, Johan put us two goals ahead just after three minutes as we raced 4-0 lead. 
but he was injured early in the second half and had uh, a re- the XC did turn to agony for Johan. And the unthinkable happened and Newcastle scored four goals in the final 22 minutes to earn a point. Congratulations, Emil. The cover star of this issue is Emil Smith-Rowe, celebrating after scoring the opening goal against Newcastle in the third round of the FA Cup on January the 9th. Coming on as the 56-minute substitute, Emil's progressive forward made a huge impact to the match. So much has been voted the Emirates FA Cup player of the third round after 51,865 people voted him through the FA social media channels. Emil came on top of Aston Villa's young goal scorer Louis Barry, Tottenham's hat-stick scorer Marlene Carlos and Crawley Town's Ashley Nadine, who scored the team's second goal in their superb 3-0 win over Leeds United. Well done, Emil. Programme ITK After beating Newcastle in January in the FA Cup, a win today will be our shortest gap nine days between home victories against the same opponent since January 2008. We built Newcastle 3-0 twice at the Emirates on the span of three days. Newcastle have won five of their last nine away Premier League matches, having won just two points previous 20 such visits before that. Drawn three, lost 15. Since beating Wigan 3-0 at St James's Park in December 2012, this will be Newcastle's 18th consecutive Monday Premier League game played away from home. The Magpies have lost 13 of their previous 17 in this run. 1-2, drawn two, failing to score on 12 occasions. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has either scored three or assisted two in five of his six games against Newcastle in all competitions finding the net in each of his last three against the Magpies. Newcastle manager Steve Bruce has never won an away Premier League game against Arsenal. Drawn three, lost eight with his sides, including just three goals in 11 away games against the Gunners. Newcastle's Andy Carroll has scored five Premier League goals against Arsenal. Against no side has he scored more in the competition. He was last player to score a winning goal for Newcastle away against the Gunners in November 2010 and had nine of the Magpies' 12 shots in their recent FA Cup meeting against us. Ref Watch David Coote from Nottinghamshire is a relatively new Premier League referee. His first match in charge at top level came in 2018 and tonight will be his first ever match referee in Arsenal in the Premier League. He has officiated one previous Gunners game, our 2-1 win over Blackburn in the League Cup at the Emirates on October 31st, 2018. On that evening, he sent off Matteo and Blackburn's Pauline O'Connor. The game was also notable for Emil Smith-Rowe scoring his first goal at the Emirates Stadium. In the Premier League this season, David has been in charge of nine games and dispensed a total of 36 yellow cards and two reds. Arsenal remembers Albert Eddie Gregory, Highbury born and lifelong Arsenal supporter, sadly passed away New Year's Eve 2020. He absolutely loved Arsenal through good and bad times, especially watching the Invincibles. He was a great husband, dad, granddad, brother and friend, and will be missed by all who knew and loved him. Steve Turney, Arsenal born and bred, last orders and cheerio from our very dear friend Steve. We will miss your insight and advice 
but most of all we will miss the fun and the laughs you shared with so many. Eric Hullier from Sisgad, Hungary. Friends, family and former teammates are saying goodbye to the great and loving person, an excellent former player of the Hungarian League and a real gooner. He will live in our hearts forever. Marius Brustad, 29, sadly lost his life alongside his mother, 54, during a landslide disaster in Norway. Maurice was a loyal supporter watching us play both Emirates and Wembley and leaves behind brothers Ola and Ramos and father Elna. The best friend you could ever help and was always warm, positive and his legacy will live forever. All the lives he touched and changed for the better. Vic Jolly passed away on January the 9th, 2021, age 71. Vic was a huge Arsenal supporter and a friend to the Arsenal boys, especially the 70s. He was loved by all and will be sadly missed by family and friends. Rest in peace, Nick. Arsenal Nepal Membership Celebration Arsenal Nepal Supporters Club conducted its membership distribution programme for 2020-21 on Saturday, January the 9th. President of Arsenal Nepal, Mr Shikata, and Vice President Mr Katadu presented membership cards and packages to the members. The members will feature the host of exciting activities including the women's match and the traditional football match. Nepal Married versus Nepal Unmarried. Arsenal Nepal was set up in 2009 and now has a total of 209 members. This year's members packages include Arsenal Nepal scarf, Arsenal Nepal card and an FA Cup special brooch pin. Emirates FA Cup, third round, 5.30pm, Saturday, January the 9th at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 2, Newcastle United 0. First half. We started strongly in sub-zero temperatures at Emirates Stadium. Rhys Nelson had our first shot on goal inside 60 seconds, but it was easily dealt with by Martin Dubravka. But it was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who had our best chance of the half. Beating the offside trap, he sprinted on to a long Cedric Suarez free kick over the top and forced a smart save. Second half. We were relieved to see Andy Carroll miss from close range when the ball fell to him at the far post, before Aubameyang again raced away one-on-one only to skew his shot wide as the game began to open up. There was drama in injury time. Carroll looked certain to score following a breakaway, but Burned Leno made himself big, made the save then pounced on the loose ball. Then Emile Smith-Rowe was shown a red card for a foul on Sean Longstaff, only for referee Chris Cavanna to overturn it after viewing again on the VAR monitor. Extra time. The first period remained goalless and penalties looked inevitable, until Smith-Rowe latched on to Alexandra Lacazette's pass and finished superbly in off the post. Aubameyang sealed the win late on when he tucked home Kieran Tierney's cross from close range. Player feature, Rob. On Tuesday, Rob Holding signed a new contract, running to 2024 with the option of a further year. The defender has already had plenty of highlights during his Gunners career, since signing from Bolton Wanderers in July 2016. He ended his first season with a towering performance to beat Chelsea in the 2017 FA Cup final at Wembley. 
a feat he repeated back in August. He's now just a few games away from a century of appearances for the club, a landmark he unquestionably would have brought up sooner were it not for a devastating ACL injury suffered at Old Trafford in late 2018. We caught up with Rob to go through the highs and lows of his Arsenal career to date, but began by asking him about his contract extension. First of all, Rob, congratulations on your new contract. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm delighted to be fair. It's good to secure your future and it feels brilliant to know that I will be part of Arsenal's future for another four years. You must be pleased with your recent form as well. Yeah, we have got a good defence. We are looking solid now and getting a few clean sheets in a row gives you more confidence, as does having a good goalkeeper behind us. We're happy with it, but we have to keep it going. If things had turned out slightly differently, you could have been playing for today's opponents this season. Yeah, it was looking like I was going to be out on loan for the season and get some Premier League experience because I wasn't sure if I was in the manager's plans this year to play as much as I had been doing. The manager sat me down after a training session just a few days before the community shield. He asked if I was fully focused because they needed me to play at the weekend. I just said there was no doubt in my mind that wherever I'm at, then I will be 100% ready. That's the type of person I am. I think reassuring him of that was something he wanted to hear, and it seemed to pay off that weekend. He just wanted to make me aware of what was happening, but then he said, I want you here at Arsenal. And as soon as I heard those words, it would have been stupid of me to leave and go elsewhere. There's plenty of competition for places now in your position. How do you approach that challenge? Well, I put in a lot of hard work during the first lockdown because I wanted to make sure that I came back hitting the ground running and was one step ahead of my teammates. It is competitive. We are all fighting for the same job. So if I can get a head start by working that little bit harder, then it's a no-brainer for me. When the new signings came in that were centre-halves, I was thinking, well, where do I fall in the pecking order? I didn't want a season of me being fourth or fifth choice and having to wait for injuries to get a chance. But the way it's panned out and the way I've performed has meant I've had a lot of game time so far and that's all I wanted. I don't want to be looking back on my career and think I didn't do anything that season. I want to play games, so now it's up to me to keep that going. We've asked our photographer to pick out some of the iconic images from your time at Arsenal so far. We'd love to hear your memories, Rob. Number 1. July 21st, 2016. Arriving at Arsenal. Why was I wearing shorts? That's what really pops into mind when I see it. I feel so skinny in that photo. It was a Monday morning, and I'd gone to Bolton as usual. The manager pulled me in and told me they were accepting the offer from Arsenal and I had to get the train down the next day. Then on Wednesday I did my medical, went to the training ground, and did all the photos for signing. I remember the first time that I went out to watch training, and Callum Chambers came over. I'd met him that summer in the Toulon tournament with England, and he had a little chat and made me feel welcome. He helped me with day-to-day -day stuff, from the gym to the canteen to going out for training and where we had to put our boots on and stuff. He really showed me the ropes in that aspect. 
It was a total step up from where I was and how fast the ball was moving. Everyone was playing one-touch passes and I think I adapted to that quite well and after a few training sessions, I sort of got into the swing of things. But yeah, it did take me by surprise with the initial speed of it. 2. August 14th, 2016 First team debut against Liverpool It was my first time going to the Emirates, seeing the stadium and seeing the pitch. When I found out I was starting, I think it was the day before, I wasn't really overthinking it that much that night, thinking like, I'm starting tomorrow, and I didn't really appreciate how big of a game it was. So I was out on the pitch, and you realise there's 60,000 people all cheering, and that's when I realised that this was actually quite important. The speed of Liverpool, they were sort of in that transition from where they were when Klopp took over to the title contenders that they are now, and I remember Coutinho being so hard to control. He just dropped off the front line and picked up the ball in places that you just couldn't go and press, so it was difficult. But the lads were training at that level as well, so I was sort of used to the level in terms of how fast it was. It was good, it was a baptism of fire, but I got through it in the end. 3. May 27th, 2017 FA Cup win at Wembley I think this was the one I posted on my Instagram. It's a great photo because I could look out and see a sea of fans just all absolutely buzzing. It was just a special moment to raise a trophy to the fans. I don't think I really appreciated it at the time. The Ox came up to me at the end of the game and said, You won't appreciate what you've done and how you've played today until a couple of days later, which was so true. About a week later, I was looking back as I was just about to go on holiday and I just thought, wow, that's surreal. What's just happened there? 4. May 27th, 2017 Battle with Diego Costa I think it's just my mentality, just a bit rough and ready, and if there's a fight, I'm not going to back away from it. I'm going to stand up and not be walked over. I knew he liked to play the mind games and try to get into your head, so I was just adamant that I'd play physical with him but as soon as it would end or the referee had given a decision or whatever, I'd just jog back to my position and get set for whatever happened next. I really didn't need to get involved in what he was maybe trying to do. It just wasn't really in my agenda to do that. 5. September 28, 2017 First Arsenal goal versus Barté Borisov I went crazy. It was like 3-0 and I went crazy as if it was like a last-minute winner. Theo took the corner and Pear flicked it on at the near post. I just sort of carried on my run at the back post and it fell in front of me at my feet. I put it in and then the fans were just behind the goal there. I remember running off, just jumping up and down like crazy, just celebrating as if it was a last-minute winner. It was a nice moment to get the first goal. It wasn't something that I had like a weight on my shoulders, thinking that, I need to score here, I need to score eventually. It would happen sooner or later, but it was a nice feeling to get your name on the score sheet. 6. December 5th, 2018 Injury versus Manchester United It was a difficult one to take, obviously. I was on a really good run and had played 22 games on the bounce or something similar. 
I have my dad, my granddad, my uncle, my auntie, and my cousin, all that gang. They didn't know what had happened. They obviously saw it, but it was just a bit of an innocuous challenge, really. It wasn't a devastating challenge. As soon as I could, I just text them to say I'm okay, and they think it's a bad injury, but don't worry about it too much, and enjoy the rest of the game. So they were okay. I think it was my mum that was more worried, because she was obviously sitting at home watching on the TV, and I had to ring her straight away, and just speak to her and settle her down, because you know what mums are like. They get overprotective. 7. September 24th, 2019 Comeback goal against Forest. It's a great photo with Callum behind and then Kieran Tierney just a little bit further back, jogging in. I think the only way that photo could have been any better was if Hector was alongside me as well because he'd just come back from his ACL. It was a crazy game. We ended up winning 5-0. It was just a perfect way for it to come full circle. I went up for a corner late on. I think Mesut was going off so I got the armband. The cross came in and my first touch as captain. I put it in the back of the net. It was a dream way for it to end and with a lot of good people on the pitch who were supporting me all the way through the journey as well. 8. August 1st, 2020. A second FA Cup success. I was doing an interview for BBC at the time, and I just remember seeing all the lads have that photo. I thought, I'm not missing this photo, so I said I had to go and just ran across, slid back in, and dropped to the front there. It's a really good photo with all the team, all the staff. I don't know what it is about Wembley and us, we just seem to step up our game and everyone's together as soon as we're on that pitch, because it's a one-off game as well. It was the end of Mikel's first year after coming in, and to end it with a trophy was brilliant. That's his first trophy as a manager as well, so I'm sure it's a massive one he'll never forget. 9. December 19th, 2020 Captaining the side in the Premier League it's a massive moment for me personally. You're stepping into the big shoes of legends in the past that have worn the armband. In a Premier League game, it feels that bit more special. I know we didn't get the result, but I enjoyed having the responsibility and being the guy to get the team going, to be an extra motivation for the team. I don't do anything special or overthink things in terms of, I need to do this to be a leader. It just sort of happens. I think that's why I end up wearing the armband for this game. Convertible currency. Football historian John Sperlin looks at the evolution of Arsenal players' positions, past and present. George Graham, strolling into midfield. I had the tendency to disappear in games and I've been too inconsistent for everybody's taste, including my own, explained George Graham, following his move on Arsenal coach Don Howe, say so. So midfield during 1969-70 campaign, the elegant Scott had been one of the new Arsenal manager Bertie Mee's earliest recruits when he joined from Chelsea in September 1966, which saw gunner strikers Tommy Baldwin move in the opposite direction. Graham's goal statistics at Chelsea were highly impressive, averaging a goal every other game, and Mee was convinced that it'd be perfect 
to the emerging striker, John Radford, in a sense. Me proved spot on in his assessment and Graham topped the scoring charts in his first two campaigns at Highbury and supporters appreciated his silky touch, close control and prodigious heading ability. But not for nothing was Graham nicknamed Stroller and for no amount of deft passing could disguise the fact that Graham lacked acceleration. At times the Arsenal side of the late 60s could look cumbersome and pedestrian and was partly a lack of pace which meant they were unable to break down increasingly well marshalled defences of the era. Such was Don Revy's Leeds United in the 1968 League Cup final. In the wake of a catastrophic defeat at Swindon Town in 1969 League Cup final, Bertie Mee and Don Howe informed right half Frank McClintock that he would be moving into central defence. McClintock initially opposed the idea, and Graham, who was substituting the Wembley showpiece, that he would be shifting into the old-fashioned left-half role. Graham wholeheartedly agreed to the tactical switch. It felt like a milestone had been lifted from around my neck, he explained. I felt that I'd have more time and space to influence the game, more efficiently in the middle of the park. Me and Howe were also aware of the young forwards Charlie George and Ray Kennedy that they were blossoming in the reserves and they would soon be ready for regular first-team action. The switch worked for everybody, eventually. Graham added, It took some time for everything to click into place. From the Begrady-born Graham, the move appeared to sense a tradition fascinated by the way of the work of the midfield maestro, including Alfro Di Stefo, at Real Madrid and Ian McMillan at Airdrie. For me, midfield was a place where cerebral players could thrive, he argued. Graham, Bob McNabb and George Armstrong formed the tightest of triangles out on the left and knew instinctively how to find one another on the pitch. Graham even described them as the team within a team. Graham used his experience not only to bring his teammates into play but to arrive late to support the attack. It was a question of timing, he explained. This has never been best illustrated when he marauded forward and scored a superb taken goal against Sporting Lisbon in the early rounds of the 69-70 Fairs Cup at Highbury. And in an era where the game was far more an aerial one, Graham continued to weigh in with a raft of spectacular headers. During the 70-71 double campaign in which Graham scored 11 goals from midfield, he nodded home against Manchester United in Arsenal's 4-0 win in August and a thumping header against Stoke City set Arsenal on their way into the FA Cup semi-final replay against Stoke City at Villa Park. Another one of his specialities was the wall pass against Liverpool in the 70-71 campaign. Graham volleyed home spectacularly after a clever 1-2 with John Samuels in Arsenal's 2-0 home win. He possessed a rocket shot when the occasion presented himself and scored a cracker just from outside the box against Ipswich at Highbury at home in an early win in the 71-72 campaign. When Graham became Arsenal boss in 1986, he was fond of saying George Graham the manager would not have picked George Graham the player in his teams implying that he was more of a little different on the pitch. But as Arsenal won the Fairs Cup and the double in the early 70s, their Scottish playmaker who combined the timing and artistry of a midfielder and the striker's killer instinct played an integral role against the club reassurance. Peter Simpson, 
polished performance, early years elsewhere. Although the laid-back defender later made a centre spot his own at Highbury, forging a superb partnership with Frank McClintock, Norfolk-born Peter Simpson was talented enough to play wherever he was needed. I'd do whatever was asked of me. I wanted to play for Arsenal at the end of the day, he explained after making his debut in 1964 and suffering and seeing the direct opponent, Bobby Tamblin, score all four goals against him for Chelsea. Sampson was moved around the Arsenal team as a club, initially struggled to find the right combination within the team. Peter was a fine example of how many of the players for the Arsenal team had to work seriously hard for success, explained coach Don Howe. And he got shifted from pillar to post on all occasions. The player later explained how stints of the full-back and the midfield help him read the game better and anticipate what my teammates would want to do next. As his former Arsenal colleagues testify, there was no more polished performer at Highbury in the early 70s than the impressive, the versatile Peter Sampson. Fourteen times ahead of our next Emirates FA Cup match at the weekend, we take a look back at our record-breaking 14 wins to date. April the 26th, 1930, Wembley Stadium, Arsenal 2, Lambert, James, Huddersfield Town, nil. Team, C. Preedy, T. Parker, E. Hapgood, A. Baker, W. Seddon, R. John, J. Hume, D. Jack, J. Lambert, A. James, C. Bastin, Manager, Herbert Chapman. April the 25th, 1936, Wembley Stadium, Arsenal 1, Drake, Sheffield United, nil. Team A. Wilson, G. Mail, E. Hapgood, W. Crayston, H. Roberts, W. Copping, J. Hume, R. Bowden, E. Drake, A. James, C. Bastin, Manager, George Allison. April the 29th, 1950, Wembley Stadium, Arsenal 2, Lewis 2, Liverpool 0. Team G. Swindon, L. Scott, W. Barnes, A. Forbes, L. Compton, J. Mercer, F. Cox, J. Logie, P. Goring, R. Lewis, D. Compton, Manager, Tom Whitaker. May the 8th, 1971, Wembley Stadium, A.E.T. Arsenal 2, Cali, George, Liverpool 1. Team, B. Wilson, P. Rice, R. McNabb, P. Storey, substituted by E. Cali, F. McClintock, P. Simpson, G. Armstrong, G. Graham, J. Radford, R. Kennedy. C. George, Manager Bertie Mee. May the 12th, 1979, Wembley Stadium, A.T. Arsenal 3, Talbot, Stapleton, Sunderland. Man United 2, Team P. Jennings, P. Rice, S. Nelson, P. Talbot, D. O'Leary, W. Young, L. Brady, A. Sunderland, F. Stapleton, D. Price, substituted by S. Walford, G. Ricks, Manager Terry Neal. May the 20th, 1993, Wembley Stadium, Replay A.T. Arsenal 2, Wright Linnigan, Sheffield Wednesday 1, Team D. Seaman, L. Dixon, N. Winterburn, P. Davis, A. Linnigan, T. Adams, J. Jensen, I. Wright, substituted by D. O'Leary, A. Smith, P. Merson, K. Campbell, Manager George Graham. May the 16th, 1998, Wembley Stadium, Arsenal 2, Overmars, Anelka, 
Newcastle United nil. Team D. Seaman, L. Dixon, N. Winterburn, P. Vieira, T. Adams, N. Anelka, M. Overmars, M. Keown, R. Parler, E. Pattitt, C. Ray, D. Platt, Manager Arsene Wenger. May the 4th, 2002, Millennium Stadium, Arsenal 2, Lundberg, Parler, Chelsea 0, Team D. Seaman, Lauren, A. Cole, T. Adams, S. Campbell, P. Vieira, R. Parler, F. Leungberg, D. Bergkamp, substituted by Edu, S. Wiltord, substituted by M. Keown, T. Henry, substituted by Kanu, manager Arsene Wenger. May the 17th, 2003, Millennium Stadium, Arsenal 1, Pires, Southampton, nil. Team D. Seaman, Law, M. Keown, O. Luzny, A. Cole. R. Pires, R. Parler, Gilberto, F. Leungbird, T. Henri, D. Bergkamp, substituted by S. Wiltord, manager Austin Wenger. May the 21st, 2005, Millennium Stadium, AET, won 5-4 on penalties. Arsenal, nil, Manchester United, nil. Team, J. Lehman, Laurent, P. Sanderos, K. Touré, A. Cole, R. Pires, substituted by Edu, F. Fabregas, substituted by Ryan Percy, P. Vieira, Gilberto, J. A. Reyes, D. Bergkamp, substituted by F. Leungberg, manager Arsene Wenger. May the 17th, 2014, Wembley Stadium, A.E.T. Arsenal 3, Cazorla, Kozielny, Ramsey, Hull City 2. Team, L. Fabianski, B. Sanger, Per Matasaka, L. Kozielny, K. Gibbs, M. Arteta, A. Ramsey, S. Calzola, substituted by T. Rosicki, M. Ozil, substituted by J. Wilshire, L. Podolski, substituted by E. Sonogo, O. Giroud, manager Arsene Wenger, May 30, 2015, Wembley Stadium, Arsenal 4, Walcos, Alexis, Matazaka, Giroud, Aston Villa, nil. Team, W. Chesney, H. Bellerin, Per Matasaka, L. Cogilne, N. Montreal, F. Coquelin, S. Cazola, A. Ramsey, M. Ozil, substituted by J. Wilshire, A. Sanchez, substituted by A. Oxlade Chamberlain, T. Walcott, substituted by O. Giroux, manager Austin Wenger. May the 27, 2017, Wembley Stadium, Arsenal 2, Alexis Ramsey, Chelsea 1. Team D. Ospina, H. Bellerin, R. Holding, P. Medazaka, N. Montreal, A. Oxlade-Chamberlain, substituted by F. Corcoran, A. Ramsey, G. Sharker, M. Ozil, D. Welbeck, substituted by O. Giroud, A. Sanchez, substituted by M. Eldeny, manager Arsene Wenger. August 1st, 2020, Wembley Stadium. Arsenal 2, Aubameyang 2, Chelsea 1. Team E. Martinez, H. Bellerin, R. Holding, D. Lewis, substituted by Socrates, K. Tierney, substituted by S. Kolasinac, A. Maitland-Niles, G. Sharker, D. Ceballos, N. Pepe, A. Lacazette, substituted by E. Nkitia, P. E. Aubameyang, manager Mikel Arteta. Oh, <laughs>
Arsenal Foundation, my story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation's Emergency Covid Fund has helped School Home Support, a charity that provides personalised support to children and families to tackle the barriers to a successful education. Practitioner Sam Williams, 35, from Devon, tells us how it has helped at Grafton Primary School. I spent five years as a primary school teacher before joining School Home Support in April. As a teacher, I wanted to play a greater role in supporting the most vulnerable children in my school. I felt SHS offered me a way to help those most vulnerable families, so I jumped at the opportunity to join the charity. We have been helping families in a number of ways during the COVID-19 crisis. Delivering magic breakfast food parcels, providing home baking kits thanks to a collaboration with a local youth group, and supplying Raspberry Pi kits and internet access for pupils to use technology at home, which in turn enables them to complete schoolwork during lockdown periods. This helps children feel excited about learning while schools are closed and also more confident about returning to school when they reopen. This support also ensures we are able to promote education and enable consistent learning during lockdown. I've also been running some pastoral sessions with children most at risk of poor attendance. We spend time together discussing emotions, feelings and positive communication. One of the girls in the group was finding school challenging and things were tough at home. Her mum was struggling to support her six children, who all share the same bedroom and weren't sleeping well at night. Her mum told me that her daughter looks forward to going to school on the days we have our sessions together and as a result of introducing the sessions to our week, we have seen a dramatic improvement in her attendance. I'm really pleased with how I've been able to support this child. I have a big role to play in encouraging attendance and punctuality, and I'm proactive in ensuring families have access to appropriate support, especially during a time when COVID has had such a huge impact on many aspects of daily life and mental health and well-being. We also provided Christmas gifts through our partners to some of the children. They make a massive difference to many children, and especially so when many families are impacted upon financially due to the pandemic. I do follow football, and I'm very proud to say I'm a big Exeter City fan. I think it's really important that football clubs help their community and support charities and groups to make a difference to people's lives. Football clubs are really influential. You only have to look at what Marcus Rashford has achieved to see the impact and influence that players and clubs have in society. It's great when that influence is used positively to help make a difference to disadvantaged and vulnerable people. For more info, visit shs.org.uk. Developing Strong Young Gunners. In this issue, Young Gun, Morio Bandera, News on Lone Stars, Remember Mark Howard, and Results and Fixtures. Young Gun, Moro Bandera. Talking to Aidan Small. Born, Portugal, November 18, 2003. Height and weight, 5 foot 9, 73 kilos. Signed for Arsenal, August 2016. 
as an under 30. Position, midfielder. School, St Andrews the Apostle, secondary school, East Barnet. For as long as I can remember, I've been completely and utterly in love with football. When I think back to where it all started, I've got to thank my brother for putting that passion in me. I was only about four when I started playing and he was 16, but that didn't matter to him. He'd go out with his friends and I'd always tag along just so I could watch them play for a long time. I'd obviously couldn't join him because it would have been impossible to keep up, but I'd be sat there on the sideline, desperate to be out there and play with them. I've always been such a competitive person, and even as a kid, I wanted to be better than everyone else. Around that time, Ronaldinho became a real inspiration to me too. He was the first footballer that just made me say, wow, with his style, personality and skill, he was like no other footballer in history, and I remember just wanting to be like him. Growing up on an estate, I experienced a little bit of everything in terms of football. I played down at my local park and a little bit of foozle, which really helped my footwork and a lot of street football on the block with mates too. You know the type. The one where you have to go under cars to get your ball back, knock on the next door neighbours, accidentally smash a window, etc. I'd play anywhere and for anyone. As a kid, I just wanted the experience. School football was big in my development. As a player too, my primary school, Sacred Heart in Barnet, was known for being a good football in school. We had a few decent players come through there over the years. It was a good education for me, and I wanted to be the best in my school first. And as things progressed, I started playing for my district team in Year 5, and from there I was scouted by QPR as an under-11. But over the next year or so, I generated interest from a few clubs, and as a family, we had to make a decision about my future. But ever since moving to England from Portugal, Arsenal has always been my team. So when I heard about their interest, that was it. I told my mum, we're going to trial the next day because my mind was set on it. Growing up as a fan, you always want to see what it's like in and around your club. And after my first training session, I just remember feeling so happy and comfortable with the atmosphere and the culture of the club. I fell in love with it and it was so competitive, yet caring at the same time. It felt like everybody cares about your development, and as a player, that's so important. That hasn't changed one bit over the years, but what kind of player am I today? Well, I'd say that I'm a box-to-box midfielder who likes to play a lot of freedom. I'm dominant both on and off the ball, and I'm explosive in both of those scenarios too. That's a key part of my game. When I'm driving at someone or making a running behind, I'm very explosive and difficult to catch up with. I've always liked playing at speed because when you're charging at someone, you've got the advantage because the moment you hesitate, you can shift into gear and pull away from them or pass it. I am a goal scorer too. I love those late runs into the area and having that attacking freedom. My midfield partner for the under-18s is Charlie Patino, and I think we've got a lot of balance between us. We're both intellectual players and we've got a good understanding of each other's game. When you see us in a match... You'll notice that we don't talk too much, but that's because we want to work off each other's movements and triggers. I think Charlie's a better ball player. Wherever we're playing out from the back and linking things up, he's the more dominant player. So I let him sit a little deeper. He's possibly the best youth player I know for building play from the back and evading pressure. He can get himself out of situations that I'd never seen before, whereas I'm a player who finds pockets of space and little further forward for Charlie to pick me out. Then I can drive and progress forward. Obviously, sometimes we switch those duties between us because, you know, you always need to be flexible in games. But generally, that's where we're at our best.
Speaking of the best, I had the honour of joining in the first team training for a first time earlier this season. It was incredible. There was a week where I joined in three times and honestly I've learnt so much. The tempo of the game is just crazy. So when I found myself keeping up, I actually surprised myself. I love a challenge. I'm never one to back away from a challenge. They were also encouraging for us too and there's rarely any moaning in training because there's always preparing for the next action. And that's something that Mikel paces a lot of emphasis on. You can definitely see it in training. If someone misses an easy chance, it's okay. We just need to get back up, recover and create another. It was an absolute honour to train amongst the first team. So I hope that I keep working hard and remain focused and there will be more opportunities for me down the line. The Lowdown. Earliest memory of football? Tagging along to the park watching my older brother and his friends play. First player I looked up to? Ronaldinho. Favourite football shirt earned? Portugal home shirt for the 2016 Euros. Best friend in football? Brooke Norton Cuffey. Team supported as a child? Arsenal. Best player faced? Alfie Devine, Tottenham or Malcolm from Rangers. Best performance versus Chelsea in the under-16 PL Club. Best piece of skill you've ever done in a game? A flip-flap, which is Elastico. Greatest moment in your career so far? Getting my national team call-up. One stadium you'd like to score in? Santal Babemo. One type of goal you'd like to score? Last-minute winner of the FA Cup. A player to score one-on-one to save your life? Kahan Edwards. Football memorabilia, I collect boots used on certain occasions. Another sport you're good at, swimming. Ambition this season away from the pitch, complete my driving licence. The important non-playing attribute for young footballers, determination and perseverance. Always believe in yourself no matter what others think or say about you. Best training tip you've had, always know what's around you. Best lesson learned off the pitch at Arsenal. When recovering from a long-term injury, I learnt that being on the pitch is a privilege. You have to embrace it. Academy News. Academy Loan Watch. Seven of our Academy stars were actioned for their loan clubs this week. David Ballard played 89 minutes as Blackpool knocked out West Brom in the FA Cup third round. Jerry Yates opening the scoring for Blackpool before ex-Arsenal man Semi Aji levied the score on 52 minutes. The Seasiders then retook the lead through a Gary Medine before Matthias Pithera stuck late for West Brom to send the game to extra time. The goalless half-hour took the tie to penalties, where three misses from West Brom gifted Blackpool progression to the next round. Harry Clark played a full match as Oldham were beaten 4-1 by Bournemouth in the FA Cup. Clark's side went on the break on level terms after Dylan cancelled out an early strike from David Brooks but Bournemouth restored their lead just four minutes after the interval. Rodrigo Romami fired past Ian Lawler in the Oldham net before a brace from King Josh settled the tie. Therese John Jules made his first start of the year as Doncaster beat Blackburn 1-0 in the FA Cup. Taylor Richards scored just before the break to put our young forward into the fourth round. Ben Sheaf was also in the FA Cup action as Coventry were beaten 2-0 at Norwich at Carrow Road. Till goes in as many minutes from Kelly Lean and Jordan Hugel. Ballard and John Jules set for Premier League test. Daniel Ballard and Therese John Jules are set to face Premier League opposition in the FA Cup fourth round. Ballard's Blackpool been drawn against Brighton, while John Jules Doncaster will face West Ham United. 
Ballam lined up against Premier League opposition in the form of West Brom in the last round of the competition, but this will be a new experience for John Jules, who is finding his flow after recently recovering from injury. All fourth-round ties are scheduled to be played across the weekend of January the 23rd and the 24th. Rikik trains with the first team. Omar Rikik took part in the first training for the first time last week as we prepared for the FA Cup third round clash at Newcastle United. The young defender became our first academy signing of the January transfer window when he joined us from Berlin on Thursday, January the 7th. Comfortable and composed in possession, Omar is a left-sided player who enjoys dictating play and stepping into midfield. He's yet to make his debut for our under-23s, but will hopefully be involved as they return to action this Friday evening at home to Brighton. Fellow youth striker Florin Balogun and Nicole Muller were also involved in the training session at London Colney. Academy Illumi. Catching up with former Arsenal Academy players as they continue their pro careers away from the Emirates. Mark Howard. Joining Arsenal was a first-year scholar in the Gunners' famous 2003-04 season, goalkeeper Mark Howard's most recent move sees him playing in League 2 with Scunthorpe United. A regular for Arsenal under-18s and reserves, Mark Arsenal highlights included being on the subs bench for the 2000 Community Shield at the Millennium Stadium and playing in Martin Keown's testimonial for David Beckham's England eleven. A loan to Falkirk and the Scottish Premier League led to a permanent move to Cardiff City in 2006, but after a loan at Swansea, he was back in Scotland for St Mirren, where he played began to play regularly after moving there in 2007, making more than 50 appearances for them, spells at Aberdeen and Blackpool, before he joined a very productive four years at Sheffield United, where he played more than 100 games. He left the Blades for Bolton in 2016, and had spells there and back to Blackpool, playing more than 40 times for each club. Before alone in Salford in 2019, after a spell without a club, Neil Cox's Scunthorpe snapped up the 34-year-old in October last year, and he has already played 16 games for the Irons this campaign. Community. Community. Here's part two of our 2020 review in pictures from the Community Department's Twitter account throughout this unique and challenging year. The pictures are numbered and have the comments as follows. 1. July. Massive thanks to at Reese Nelson and at Joe Willock for joining our young hashtag PLCakes participants for a Zoom Q&A recently. 2. July. Check out the moment at David Lewis underscore four told Tia the laptop she was borrowing was actually hers to keep. 3. August It feels so good to be back in our community. Some of our at PL communities hashtag PL cakes groups were back in small numbers yesterday for the first time in five months. 4. August Congratulations to our level three students who collected their results today, an amazing group that displayed creativity, resilience and a high level of professionalism to match their academic excellence. 5. September Our Arsenal students are eating at the Little Wonder Cafe thanks to the generosity of club partners at Cabri UK. 6. September 
It wasn't only the first team who returned to action today. Welcome back to our at London Marathon at PL Communities hashtag PL Cakes Girls participants. 7. October Young people also took part in anti-racism workshops. We are passionate about educating our young people on the topic of racial equality and embracing the diversity within our community. 8. October We celebrated hashtag Black History Month 2020 with three of our hashtag PL Primary Stars schools yesterday. 9. November We have at Islington GP administering flu vaccinations here at the Arsenal Hub today for local residents who have been referred by their GP. 10. November Raf, thank you for supporting young people and providing positive pathways for them through hashtag PLCakes, hashtag PLCF 10-year awards at PL Communities. 11. December We can't deliver as usual, but we can still be there for people. Our sessions provide vital social and mental support for participants, particularly those on our longest-running programme, Bowls. 12. December Christmas hampers delivered. Our staff have been dropping off goodies to care leavers in Islington ahead of our Christmas Day Zoom. Forward Arsenal, Nicolas Pepe. Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward, so we're asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. What are your plans for tonight? I'm just going to watch the Champions League matches tonight. I'm not sure which one yet. What are the plans for the end of your career? I don't know yet. I haven't really thought about it yet, to be honest. If you had to work either in coaching, the media, or away from football, which would you choose? I would like to be a coach or a manager. I have started my qualifications already, in fact. I have passed one, but it's just the basic one. So I haven't looked into it in any detail yet, but it's a start. It doesn't necessarily mean it will lead into coaching, by the way. It can do, but it can also lead into a more general football management role. But as I said... I'm not focused on that at the moment. Before retiring, what do you still want to achieve in your playing career? I definitely want to play in the Champions League, that's for sure. Also, I want to win a European trophy with Arsenal and win a trophy with my country. I would love to play in the World Cup as well. What club would you never sign for? Tottenham. How far forward do you plan your week? Do you get told what you will be working on in training at the start of the week? It all depends on the games we have coming up and what our schedule is. Games move all the time, so the training routine can change too. Lots of things can change every day in football. For example, when I was suspended for three games. During that time I wasn't really involved in training with the rest of the group ahead of the weekend games. But I had the Europa League games to play, so I was more focused on those in training. And away from football, how are you at planning your week? Do you plan meals in advance, for example? I'm not planning for the week ahead, but I have a chef who cooks for me. We have a program which allows me to eat whatever I want once in the week. 
I follow a special program to be fit on the pitch. It means that the day I choose for my treat meal depends on the fixture schedule. If I have two games ahead, one on Thursday and the other on Saturday or Sunday, then it is more important to plan it better. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Yes, to score more. What type of training do you most look forward to? What bit do you dread? I enjoy possession drills and small games in general. We sometimes have individual training with one-on-one or two-on-one situations. This is what I enjoy in particular. There isn't really anything I don't like, but let's say some bits are less enjoyable when it's cold, like 11-on-0 situations. They're very important for the team, but when it's very cold and you're not moving as much, it can be hard work. It's the same for set pieces, but as I'm the one who takes them, it doesn't bother me. I honestly enjoy any type of training, but I'm still getting used to the weather. How far forward do you look at the fixture list? I don't really look at it. I prefer to only think about the game coming up next. What do you do on the night before a big game? Are you nervous? I like to play the PlayStation and not think about the game too much. And even on match day, I listen to music until 15 minutes before coming on the pitch. I'm focused on the game, but I don't put direct pressure on myself 45 minutes before the game. I'd rather listen to some music to relax and be calm. As soon as I take out my earphones, I'm fully focused on the game, without pressure, but with 100% focus. What are you looking forward to doing once you retire that you can't do now? What am I looking forward to doing once I'm retired? I can't pick one thing in particular, but there's so many things I can't do now that I want to do after football. I can't pick one, but there's really a lot of things. What country or city will you live in once you stop playing football? France. I don't know which city, but definitely France. It might be Paris or Lille, for example. What other countries would you like to see once you stop playing? Even before I retire, I'd like to go on safari, in Tanzania or South Africa. That's what I'd like to do. Or in Rwanda, as they have a partnership with Arsenal. That's the type of activity I'd like to do as I enjoy animals. What do you still want to achieve away from football? I'd like to get involved in charity organisations to help the hungry or people who can't go to school, for example. This is something I have to do because I think it's important to help people. Finally, you are told there's a spare seat on the next trip to the International Space Station. Do you go? If there were two seats, who would you want with you? No, I don't. I don't want to. But if I did have to go, then I would take my brother along with me. The Visitors, Newcastle United, by Mike Hammond. Formed 1892. Nickname, The Magpies. Stadium, St. James Park. 52,305. Honours. First Division or Premier League winners, 1904 to 5, 1906 to 7, 1908 to 9, 1926 to 27, Second Division Championship winners, 1964 to 65, 1992 to 93, 2009 to 10, 2016 to 17, FA Cup winners, 
1950-1955. Charity Shield, 1909. Intercities First Cup winner, 1969. UEFA Intertoto Cup Outright winner, 2006. Owner, Mike Ashley. Chairman, Lee Chanley. Social followers, Twitter, 1.6 million. Instagram, 631,000. Facebook, 2.3 million. Defeated 2-0 after extra time by the FA Cup holders at Emirates Stadium nine days ago, Newcastle United returned to North London hoping for better fortune as they bid to add to their tally of 19 points in the 2020-21 Premier League. Steve Bruce's side had chances to knock Arsenal out of the competition in normal time, but they went to begging and the Magpies have now gone over 500 minutes without scoring at the Gunners' home, an unenviable run that they will be determined to bring to an end this evening. An even worse statistic is Newcastle's current stretch of nine straight losses at Emirates Stadium. The last time they avoided defeat at the venue was in November 2010, when Andy Carroll scored the winner in a 1-0 Premier League victory. Ironically, it was the big Geordie striker who came closest to ending the run a week last Saturday. As it is, the last Newcastle player to score here remains Eose Perez, the current Leicester forward, who found the net in a 4-1 defeat in December 2014. Since then, the Magpies have lost 1-0, 1-0, 2-0 and 4-0 in the league, as well as that latest extra-time defeat in the FA Cup. Having also gone out of the Carabao Cup in London just before Christmas, they were surprisingly beaten 1-0 in the quarter-final at Brentford. Newcastle have only their position in the Premier League to concern themselves with for the remainder of the season. First and foremost, they need to ensure that they do not get embroiled in the scrap to avoid relegation. That fate has befallen them twice before, in 2008-9 and 2015-16, though on both occasions the club bounced straight back up by winning the championship title. Since the club's return to the elite in 2017, the Magpies have finished 10th, 13th and 13th again. The last time they challenged in the upper echelons of the Premier League table was back in 2011-12 when, under Alan Pardew, they won 19 of their 38 matches to finish 5th, earning them a place in the UEFA Europa League, where they would go on to reach the quarter-finals before eventually meeting their match in Benfica, Arsenal's forthcoming round of 32 opponents in the same competition, who eliminated them 4-2 on aggregate. Newcastle United supporters continue to be among the longest-suffering in the country. The club has not won a major trophy since the 1969 Intercities First Cup, and many headlines have been made in recent years over the fans' dissatisfaction with a perceived lack of progress off the field as well as on. Even Geordie boy Bruce was given a lukewarm reception when he was appointed to replace Rafa Benitez as manager two summers ago. He had a good first campaign, which dipped only in the last few weeks after safety had been assured but he will be eager for his team to end their current run of nine matches without a win, most recently a disappointing 1-0 defeat at bottom club Sheffield United last Tuesday, 
as the pressure mounts over the second half of the season. Mutual admiration. One of the most lavishly skilled attacking midfielders of his generation, George Eastham, played four seasons for Newcastle, scoring 34 goals in 129 games and earning England under-23 honours. Out of contract at the end of the 1959-60 season, Easton wanted to leave St James Park, but the retain-and-transfer system of the time meant that Newcastle held his player registration and refused to let him go. He went on strike, took Newcastle to court and changed the transfer system forever, with the retain element effectively removed from contracts. Arsenal swooped in December 1960 for the 24-year-old, and he shone for the Gunners over six seasons, playing 19 times for England and being part of the 1966 World Cup winning squad. In all, he played 223 times for George Swindon, Billy Wright, and scored 41 goals before leaving for Stoke City in December 1966. Now aged 84, George resides in South Africa with his family. Premier League record. AFC wins 30, draws 10, NUFC wins 10. Arsenal win percentage 60. All-time record. AFC wins 80, draws 38, NUFC wins 67. Arsenal win percentage 43. 42. In the crazy 4-4 draw between tonight's teams on February the 5th, 2011, there was a 42-minute spell, virtually a half, with no goals at all. Arsenal scored on 1, 3, 10 and 26 minutes. Newcastle responded on 68, 75, 83 and 87 minutes. 5. When Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain scored on 50 minutes, to put Arsenal 2-1 up in the Gunners' 7-3 win at Emirates on December 29, 2012, it heralded a spell of 40 minutes that featured a goal every five minutes. Blink, and you missed one. Scouting report by Michael Cox It's been barely a week since Steve Bruce's Newcastle last arrived at the Emirates, and although there are likely to be several changes in his starting eleven for tonight's clash, the general approach is likely to be similar. Granted, Newcastle's key man for that 2-0 defeat was unquestionably striker Andy Carroll, who has a good record against Arsenal and threatened to win the tie for the Magpies last weekend, missing two fine chances. Carroll's statistics from that game were remarkable. He attempted nine of Newcastle's 12 shots and won 14 aerial duels, nine more than anyone else on the pitch. He was particularly effective defending comers inside his own penalty box. Perhaps Carroll's prominence will mean he starts again here, but Newcastle's attack this season has generally been spearheaded by the nippier Callum Wilson, who works the channels well while also linking play effectively. He's a better counter-attacking force, and his presence means that Joe Linton is now almost exclusively used from wide. He offers speed on the break, although he's struggled for goals since arriving in English football. Miguel Amiran, peripheral last weekend, is another threat on the counter. In terms of system, Bruce has generally favoured a 5-4-1 in recent weeks, and last weekend this featured former Arsenal man, 
Isaac Hayton, generally used in midfield as a third centre-back. Bruce can, in theory, change between the two systems with Hayden reverting to midfield, although he tends to stick with his starting system unless Newcastle are chasing the game. Several players who missed last weekend's game are likely to return here. Goalkeeper Carl Darlow has impressed this season in the absence of Martin Dubravka, who made his first start of the season here but might find himself with a fight to return to his status as Newcastle's number one. Centre-back Frederico Hernandez has missed only one game this season, while left-back Jamal Lewis offers great speed up and down the flank. Perhaps the biggest question mark in Bruce's starting eleven is his midfield pairing. Sean Longstaff started last weekend alongside Jeff Hendrick, but Hayden and John Joe Shelby have generally been Bruce's preferred two this season, with Matty Longstaff another option. Shelby's long-range passing can prompt breaks down the flanks. Right-back is also something of a question mark, with playing time this season split roughly equally between four players. Javier Manquillo has started most regularly, but they have a speedier option in Jacob Murphy, who can also play on the right of midfield, and the absolutely rapid Deandre Liadlin could be preferred, especially if Bruce fears the threat of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang down that side. Emil Kraft is more cautious with his positioning and looks more suited to playing as a full-back in a four-man defence rather than as a wing-back. Despite last weekend's defeat, don't expect too much different from Bruce this time around in terms of ambition. Newcastle largely blunted Arsenal's attack in the initial 90 minutes, while also creating a couple of fine chances. Arsenal Women. News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. FA Cup put on pause. Last week, the FA confirmed that the Women's FA Cup has been paused until lockdown restrictions have been lifted. Arsenal women were due to enter the competition in the fourth round at the end of January. However, with the second and third games unable to be completed, as participating clubs were not considered elite sport, it could not be a significant time before the Gunners embark on the competition they last won in 2016. Like the men's team, the women have lifted the FA Cup 14 times, more than any other team. The FA said we can confirm that following the latest national lockdown enforced by the government, the 2020-21 Vitality Women's FA Cup will not resume during this period and will remain on pause. With all sport across the country of our elite level currently shut down, the competition is not in a position where the second and third rounds can't be played with clubs currently in the competition not permitted to train nor play due to being at amateur level. Whilst it would have been possible to play elite versus non-elite fixtures under elite criteria with government support, as seen in the Emirates FA Cup fixtures involving all non-elite teams, do not meet elite criteria and cannot currently go ahead. Therefore, the competition will remain paused during the current lockdown with a number of options currently being explored on how best to complete it. Vote for Caitlin. Our Australian forward, Caitlin Ford, has been nominated for the Asian Women Footballer of the Year 2020. 
Caitlin has enjoyed a superb start to her Arsenal career, scoring nine goals in 18 matches. The compatriot Joe Mafrania's team and is a worthy nominee, and she joins a list of 10 Asian stars. All full list is as follows. Jang Sigu, South Korea. Saku Kamunga, Japan. Caitlin Ford, Australia. Tang Zhu, China. Ellie Carpenter, Australia. Kalu Shusqua, Japan. Sam Kerr, Australia. Rikako Kobishi, Japan. Jason Yun, South Korea. And Ha Hoan, from China. You can vote for Caitlin, obviously, by going to the Asian Football Confederation, www.the-afc.com. The results will be announced on Sunday, January the 24th. Good luck, Caitlin. Premier League Match Day 18. 8pm, Thursday, January the 14th at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal nil, Crystal Palace nil. First half. Aiming for a fifth consecutive win, Arsenal looked the brighter side in the early exchanges, culminating in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang testing Vincent Guaita on 20 minutes, but the Spaniard was equal to our captain's effort. Crystal Palace came into the game and after 28 minutes, Christian Bentaki fired over the bar. Ten minutes later, James Tompkins came agonisingly close, heading an Eberichi Eze free kick against Bernd Leno's bar. The German then had to make a good save to deny a Benteke header, and the Gunners were glad to head in for half-time with the scores still level. Second half. We needed to step it up after the break, and within 30 seconds we carved out a decent opportunity as Hector Bellerin fired inches wide from the edge of the area. Ainsley Maitland-Niles had a shot from the edge of the area that was comfortably held just after the hour mark as we found it tough to break down the obdurate visitors. Nicolas Pepe and Thomas Partey were soon introduced off the bench as we pushed for the breakthrough, with Rob Holding threatening with a header as he diverted wide from a corner. We kept pushing and probing for a late winner, but it wasn't to be and we had to settle for a point from a frustrating night. My Arsenal Name Ollie Wise Age 18 Live in Rygate, Surrey Occupation Student Studying for my A-levels Type of membership Digital Why are you an Arsenal fan? My dad influenced me from an early age as his dad had ensured he was an Arsenal fan too. First Arsenal game versus Fulham Opening day of the 2007-08 season. We won 2-1 with Alex Hleb scoring in the last minute. Favourite Arsenal game? Definitely the 2014 FA Cup final. Very privileged that my first final was the one that broke our nine-year trophy drought. Favourite away ground? Craven Cottage. I just love the old-school feel of the cottage. Looking forward to seeing what their newly developed stand is like. Do you collect any memorabilia? I love collecting shirts and programmes, but my parents think it's getting a bit out of hand. I get a programme at every game, and I get extras throughout the season from the online store. The oldest one I own is from Arsenal vs Real Madrid in 1962. My dad passed it down to me from his dad. 
Whose name and number do you have on your shirt? I've got a few from down the years. Fabregas, Ozil, Van Persie, Henri, Bellerin, etc. Favourite ever Arsenal shirt? Either the 1995-96 away shirt or the 2003-04 away shirt. All-time favourite player and why? Cesc Fabregas. I spent many hours in my garden and in the playground pretending I was him. Best Arsenal goal you've ever seen live. Fabregas's free kick versus Aston Villa on Boxing Day 2009. He'd just come back from injury and won us the game on his return. Best debut performance you've seen. Eddie Nicotea versus Norwich in the Carabao Cup in 2017-18. Instant impact. Which current Arsenal player would you most like to go for dinner with? Hector Bellerin. I would love to just chat to him for ages about Arsenal and his attitude and style off the pitch. He's unique. If you could erase one Arsenal moment from history. 2006 Champions League final in Paris. The team and the manager deserve to win that trophy. You can be present at any Arsenal match in history. Anfield 1998. The atmosphere would have been crazy. If you could play in any Arsenal team in history, which would it be? The Invincibles. I would love the feeling of every game going into it knowing that every opposition team and fan wants you to fail. I would probably choose to replace Dennis Bergkamp, as I think of myself as quite a creative player, and it would be a dream to partner Thierry Henry in the starting lineup every week. Teams. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper 2. Hector Bellerin 3. Kieran Tierney 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos 6. Gabriel 7. Bukayo Saka 8. Dani Ceballos 9. Alexandre Lacazette 10. Mesut Ozil 12. William 13. Alex Runason, goalkeeper 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Thomas Partey 19. Nicolas Pepe 20. Schroeder Mustafi 21. Callum Chambers 22. Pablo Mori 23. David Lewis 24. Rhys Nelson 25. Mohamed Elneny 28. Joe Willock 30. Eddie Nketiah 32. Emil Smith-Rowe 33. Matt Macy, goalkeeper 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Gabriel Martinelli 38. Follerin Balogun 41. Ben Cottrell 66. Miguel Aziz For Newcastle United Manager Steve Bruce Black and white shirt Black shorts and socks 1. Martin Dubravka Goalkeeper 2. Kieran Clark 3. Paul Dummett 4. Matty Longstaff 5. Fabian Char 6. Jamal Lascelles 7. Andy Carroll 8. John Joe Shelby 9. Joel Linton 
10. Alain Saint-Maximin 11. Matt Ritchie 12. Dwight Gale 13. Callum Wilson 14. Isaac Hayden 15. Jamal Lewis 16. Jeff Hendrick 17. Emil Kraft 18. Frederico Hernandez 19. Javier Manquillo 21. Ryan Fraser 22. DeAndre Yadlin 23. Jacob Murphy 24. Miguel Amiron 26. Carl Darlow, goalkeeper 29. Mark Gillespie, goalkeeper 30. Christian Atsu 36. Sean Longstaff 41. Dan Langley, goalkeeper Match officials, referee David Coote Assistant referees, Mark Perry, Nick Hopton Fourth official, Graham Scott VAR official, Peter Banks Additional VAR official, Sean Macielis The Arsenal Foundation Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Arsenal are home. New 2020 to 21 home kit. On sale in store and online. Arsenal. Ready for Arsenal. This is family. New 2021 third kit. On sale in store and online. Reconnect in comfort and safety. Fly better. Our A380 is back in the skies, so let's get back to the things we've missed. Fly to your next destination with confidence, knowing that your health and safety is our top priority at every step. And we'll even give you free COVID-19 cover while you're away. Emirates, Arsenal official partner. 
Premier League, official Premier League app. Manage your fantasy team and receive the latest Premier League updates. Free to download. Download on the App Store, get it on Google Play, available at Amazon.